episode 14 of the Desert League coming up next. Here we go. Here we go. Episode 14 of the Desert League. Happy New Year. It's Ward Andrews and Sean here at the Desert League. Sean, how are you doing? I am great. Happy New Year to you. You just returned from a trip overseas. It's good to have you back. Yes, it's good to be back. I was frantically refreshing Twitter every five seconds trying to figure out who's going to be the new coach of Arizona football. Rich Rod's gone. Kevin Sumlin is in. Tomorrow's the press conference. How are you feeling, Sean? I'm feeling pretty good. New year, new coach. You know, as Greg Hansen wrote the other day, there's there's something that gives you that new uh, that new car smell whenever you hire a new football coach. It's like <laughs> Arizona football fans are perennial optimists. Every every time we hire a new football coach, we're sure this is the one. But I have to tell you that. Um, had an interesting uh, conversation with uh, Damian Alameda from Channel 13, the sports uh, uh, anchor over there, and Anthony Gimino, who's also a local, uh, you know, sportscaster and uh, sports yep. writer. Yep, great guys, smart guys. Yeah, and, and we were having this very interesting text conversation as soon as the announcement was made. And I happened to pop over to Wikipedia and, and just, you know, look at some more background on, uh, on Coach Sumlin. And uh, someone had already changed the Wikipedia entry within minutes of uh, the Rich Rod announcement to say that Kevin Sumlin is the current University of Arizona head football coach. So I grabbed a screenshot of that, <laughs> sent it to them. They circulated on their Twitter feeds, but... You know, as it as is often the case, uh, you know they they say the uh, the best solution is the easiest solution, and I think <laughs> in this case somehow Arizona avoided um, once again Arizona lucked into the right decision that was obvious from the start, uh, a la yeah. Sean Miller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was feeling Sean Miller flashbacks. I mean. There were so many trippy, bad things that could have happened before Sean Miller was placed, and yet Sean Miller was the perfect fit for Arizona. And uh, and here we go again, where it was like it was someone, then it wasn't, then it was uh, the coach at Navy, and then it was going to be some some assistants, and then all of a sudden it comes back around, and boom, and it, someone, someone's it, locked in. And and here here here's the disaster that uh, Arizona avoided, a la again Jim Livingood, um, back when he had to replace uh, obviously you know a legend in Lute Olson, and then yeah. offered the head basketball job to Tim Floyd, who oh my god, <laughs> you know uh, the the former or at the time the current head coach for USC. Uh, and luckily, you know, that didn't happen after the uh, the NCAA, you know, violations that surfaced around that program and and all the situations there. And, you know, kind of the, the fear that we had with Sean Miller, knowing that he was not only not the not the first choice, he wasn't the second choice. He wasn't the third choice. He wasn't the fourth choice. And so Kevin Sumlin, you know, it's it's, it's like new athletics director same old story it's like you know kevin sumlin is having this conversation knowing that he's not the first choice and right. you know I, I love the fact that uh you know the navy candidate and again haven't heard his name said enough to know it for sure but tui mao maololo i think yeah it was like it was ken ni nimatalolo yeah nimatalolo so no no offense to him uh, in mispronouncing his name and, you know, no offense to him as a coach, especially because as a Dick Tomey disciple, in my mind, you know, Dick Tomey, you know, has been the best, most productive and most underappreciated head football coach we've ever had, especially in light of kind of like the moral turpitude that's going on with Rich Rod. It's like yeah. the guy who brought, you know, decency and, and a gentleman's uh, demeanor to the game as well as, as winning, but, you know, not being sexy. And you had a triple option guy you know with that navy offense and you had you know khalil tate actually tweeting i didn't come to arizona to run the triple option or run the right. option 
<laughs> and you know, and then he took the tweet down. But but the thing is, um, you know, message Dave, received. Yeah, Dave Hickey basically averted a disaster because I tell you what, if Khalil Tate had, you know, wasn't happy with the coaching decision, and then left, basically, you know, you can kiss you know revenue for the entire athletics program goodbye because they've got right. to sell season tickets for next year. Right. Right. Now I have to ask though. I mean. Triple option. I didn't come here to run the triple option, but essentially you were running every play with three options, right? Oh, yeah. You could, you know, you could hand it off to your running back. You could run it or you could throw it. So you had three options. And so I understand that the triple option is more defined as, as this running triple option. Uh, but it's not like he wasn't playing in that. It, it wouldn't have been much different. But the good news is Sumlin's a spread attack guy. He's very, from what I've read and what I've heard, he's very nuanced as a coach with the passing game. He will certainly improve Khalil Tate in that area, which we already were seeing improvement from Tate in that. But, you know, Tate, he's a better runner than Johnny Football was. And if he can get the passing game going like Sumlin had there at, at A&M, this could be a Heisman year, a legitimate Heisman year for Phil Tate next year. Well, and that's and, and that's absolutely true. And you know, in the era of 2018, everything it, it's all marketing. It's all what you name it. Because essentially, you know, Richrod was running an option offense all right. season long. Uh, in fact, he was running not a triple option. He was running a single option pretty much all, you know. Which if he is... could have gotten away with it, he would have. <laughs> it, it, but, you know, can we – I want a tangent for a second on that. Okay. You know, one thing I learned about Rich Rod was that his offense was a bit poorly conceived in that it was really designed in such a way that it chewed up quarterbacks. You know, that's fair. That's fair. Like if you look at it and you look at all the all the quarterbacks and all the guys that took snaps and all the guys that got hurt, got concussions or various injuries. It, it was it was a cool offense. And when run a proper properly, it was beautiful to watch, but it really did chew up quarterbacks. Once well, and, and you know, like you like you just said, uh, so much of it was based on um, spread. And, you know, Rich Rodriguez was certainly you know, arguably the guy to create, um, you know, the sort of offense that Chip Kelly got, you know, a lot of yeah. credit for the speed up offense, the spread, the field, um, yep. using Read speed. Yeah. Watch, yep. watch the tight end. Right. Sorry, I'm sorry. Watch the defensive ends. See if they bite, find the gap. Like that was definitely Rich Rod. Right. So you've he, he invented it. Exa- I get it. But, but the thing is, is by the, t- by the time, you know, by the time we got Thomas Edison, you know, in Tucson, you know, he, he was he was well past inventing the light bulb. You know? That's right. He was working on the doormat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, and, and it was interesting because I, I actually, um, you know, had lunch with Damien and Anthony, you know, uh, prior to, you know, the announcement. And, you know, they, they made a couple comments just about you know, how Rich Rod could be, you know, challenging to deal with or and, and even heard, you know, some of the star people talking about, um, yeah, they'd had some run-ins with them. And so th- there, there's a certain aspect that the public didn't really get to see. And in yeah, light... that seemed to come out later. As a fan, I never really heard about all of that garbage. But, but, then, y- but y- now all these little stories start bubbling up. Huh? Well, it's really reminiscent. I, I always go back to kind of like uh, my my – Mike Stoops experiences when I was within the athletics department and privy to a lot of the things that I'm not privy to now, one of those things being the culture, you know, and that was one of the things that was always really off-putting for me under the Mike Stoops era is just how adversarial and angry the football department was against everybody, even within, within the department to each other, you know, and there, you know, there is certainly, I mean, football is not a place to be a shrinking violet. And if you play football, you have to expect to get yelled at. And the idea is that you're being made a better man, a better player. But when you get into kind of abuse and you get into taking advantage of the situation, again, you know, the investigation was inconclusive, but it certainly was conclusive enough um, for Arizona to say, you know what? we'd rather just buy you out the 6 million bucks and move on, you know? Yeah. 
And that, that says a lot when, when your organization says, you know what, we'd rather just give you $6 million to go away. Yep. 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 And you, I love it. You know, the, the other thing I love is I feel like, like good sports karma comes in waves. Like we've had some podcasts where it's been rough, some rough waves of things for Arizona. But then you look at this week and it's like Arizona beats Oregon in basketball. Great game. Nick Foles leads the Eagles to a playoff victory. <laughs> well, Gronk, he, you know, he Gronk, backs the Eagles into a playoff victory. <laughs> hey, 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 you know. Gronk and the Pats, they're going to the AFC Championship. Arizona football gets their guy. It's Kevin Sumlin. And then you got all these former Arizona Wildcat hoop players that are just showing off in the NBA right now. TJ McConnell. Had a huge night tonight. Laurie Markinen is setting NBA records for the number of threes he's hitting in his rookie season. I I just I'm feeling a lot of love for the Wildcats right now. Yeah, definitely on the upswing. And as we're all you know, as we're seeing, especially this season, things can really shift in just a couple of weeks. I mean, I mean, look at the fortunes of uh, you know Arizona football in particular, but also Arizona basketball. You know, within a course of a couple of weeks. If if we were doing a Desert League broadcast every week, we would be on a yo-yo because, you know, football was a completely lost season. And then we had a Heisman-worthy season. And then we had a lost season. And then we lost our coach. And then we almost didn't – we almost got the coach that would have guaranteed that we would have lost our starting, starting quarterback, in my opinion. Then we got the right coach, you know, who I can definitely see the appeal being – for Kevin Sumlin saying, I've coached two Heisman Trophy. I've, I've, I've coached the Heisman Trophy winner, possibly two Heisman Trophy winners, yeah. you know, yeah. and how many, how many coaches are, have the potential to say that legitimately? And, I mean, we have to go back and look in the, you know, look in the archives, but I can't, I can't think of uh, any head coach who's coached two Heisman Trophy winners. I mean, that's got to be appealing above and beyond anything else. Right. And it's got to be appealing to know that a and is going to write you a check for $10 million next week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, essentially, you're playing with house money at this yeah, point. Yeah, this guy, yeah. And uh, you know, another thing I love is not only is he coming, he's going to retain Masar- Marcel Yates as the defensive coordinator, and they work together at A&M. Right. They got Noel Mazzone coming in. He, I know he had a season at ASU. We'll forgive him. But he's going to be the O.C., and then we've got Clarence McKinney coming in to be a running backs coach. So this is going to be a stack. This might be the most fully assembled talent of coaches we've ever had in Arizona. Well, and, and, that's, and, and that's why I just don't get why, you know, Kevin Sumlin wasn't the lead <laughs> conversation in the whole thing because the, the whole thing is a no-brainer. You know, not to mention and what I love is, um, at least in my mind, and I think maybe in a, hopefully in a lot of Arizona Wildcats fans' minds, the fact that, you know, he becomes the first African-American head football coach in Arizona football history yep. is, is, I don't want to say a bonus, but, but what's great is he is the best man for the job. This is not, no one can ever say, oh, they, right. they just wanted to hire diversity. They wanted to do a PR move. It's like, this guy just flat out knows what he's doing. And you yeah. know what, with the way the Arizona football has struggled, we'll, we'll take an SEC cast off if you're going to call him that you know i mean with with his winning record and his track record at a&m yeah i grew up in texas i know if you're not the best of the best you're considered a loser but you know we can take we can take uh you know texas's or a&m's winning losers any day and they're going to be yeah. as good or better than anybody we've ever had yeah i agree and like you said best man for the job best guy arizona could possibly get we are not a blue chip football program, but a guy like this with a staff like that and the young players and talent they have, this you know they could unlock a special season next year. Really good stuff. And it's now, and, well, I just want to say it's so key that Marcel Yates is being retained, and that that demonstrates a lot of confidence because yep. if he dumped Marcel Yates or if Yates decided to leave, that would that would be a huge hit to morale. So I think that. You know the interior, you know feelings within within the football program have to be uh, looking up if if Yates is sticking around. Yep. Now here's another thing I like about this guy: he can flat out recruit. 
And not only can he recruit, he has a history of recruiting the state of Arizona really well. He took a lot of guys that typically go ASU, a few guys that go U of A. He took them. If you look at, you know, say 2012 to 2017, he, I mean, this is, let me just read to you his rank, his, his recruit rank. 2012, number 15 class. 2013, 11. 2014, 6. 2015, 10. 2016, 17. 2017, 10. So he had top-ranked classes year in, year out. He had four- and five-star guys. Uh, he can just flat-out recruit. Yeah, and I think there's going to be a lot of excitement, as you mentioned before, with his offensive style because oh, yeah. if if I, I think that uh, one of the regrettable things is, unfortunately, from a marketing standpoint, if you go with a guy that uh, that former Arizona head coach you know, Dick Tomey has recommended – who actually runs a very similar type of offense to what Tommy ran. Um, it was, it was just astonishing to me that no matter how many games we won six to three or, you know, nine to six or you know, 12, that, that we had desert swarm. We, you know, we had the best years we've ever had in Arizona football and how everybody was always complaining and saying we needed to get rid of Dick Tommy. So if, if we had gone that route, you know, the Boo Birds would have definitely come out and, you know, not to mention Khalil Tate would have soured on the whole thing and just things would already be going south. So once again, we've, uh, we've lucked into the right choice. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Very exciting. So there are a couple of things that I don't know a lot about and I'm hoping you know more. So one thing is I've heard about the swag copter, but what is the swag copter? The swag copter? I am not. <laughs> I am not familiar with the swag copter. So I think someone had, and maybe it was an A and M booster that gave it to him, but I think he had a helicopter that he named the swag copter that he would show up to recruits, games, and homes with. Oh, I, I am not familiar with that particular element, but I will say <laughs> if Arizona wants to shed this image of playing on the fringes or, you know, having kind of shady things or, you know, avoiding insinuations like uh, the ones that occurred in the Colorado basketball postgame conference that, you know, uh, basically saying anytime I, I, I sense a parent or, you know, a kid sniffing around for money, I stop <laughs> recruiting them. It's like, we, we've got to stay away from anything with the word swag in it because <laughs> that, I mean, <laughs> hopefully the, you know, FBI investigation shows that things didn't go any further than book Richardson, but then you've got kind of the personal conduct of the, now, ex, you know, UA football coach um, that was, you know, dragged the Arizona name through the mud. It's like I, I am heartened by the fact that it sounds like Dave Hickey and, uh, you know, Hickey said and, and also someone said, you know, we're going to graduate our guys. We're going to have, you know, good, you know, moral, good young men and and we're going to win championships, uh, hopefully you know, that emphasis is on, you know, the moral integrity of the program because <laughs> not the swag. Copter. If, if we have a swag copter, then we are in for a lot of trouble. <laughs> it's like right. he, he, right. he, he, he better be showing up in, uh, um, you know, in the opposite of the swag copter, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I also heard that Keyshawn Johnson's son yeah. committed to Zona right after Sumlin announced. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's big time. Yeah. That's big time. Well, and, and, and he's he, – well, ho- hopefully Keyshawn Johnson Jr. Has, has learned his lesson because he, you know, he was expected to be a big part of the Cornhuskers and then got in uh, some problems with mar- marijuana. And it, it, it's always interesting when they say drug paraphernalia because it always implies that there's some sort of hard cocaine or something going on. And I think that that's just code for, you know, a bong or something like that that goes with the marijuana. Right. 
So, right. you know, it's certainly something that needs to be addressed from a discipline standpoint. But, you know, they, they could be uh, Kevin Sumlin's first demonstration is just making sure, hey, Keyshawn, it's I mean, I realize it's legal in just, you know, in, in many, many states now. But as a as a football player for the U of A, you got to just stay away from that stuff, because, again, the one thing the program can't use is any more bad press, you know between the violence allegations and the workplace allegations and the, the paying uh, recruits allegations. It's like, it needs yeah. to be squeaky clean. And, and I imagine the U of A president is making that extremely clear. Okay. Well, uh, so I have another question then. H- have you heard of the pimp king? The what? <laughs> The pimp king. So, so what? What were you doing in Asia? Were you, were, were you, were you like working the black, the sports black market? Because I, I, I swear, I prepare for these podcasts, and I am not familiar with any of these things. So you must, you must be, you know, trafficking in kind of the the Asian sports underworld of uh, backstories. So, so no, no, enlighten no. me. So apparently. <laughs> Before there was the uh, Miami Hurricanes um, turnover chain. Oh, right. There was A&M had the pimp cane. And what would happen is A&M's dudes would score a touchdown. And then I guess like the band guy or somebody with the baton gave it to the player. And then they'd strut around the sidelines with the cane walking, oh, no. walking around like you've got the pimp cane. Oh, no. No. <laughs> that, that, that's that's not going to play well with, uh, with all the Me Too headlines going on, especially in light of um, <laughs> allegations of, uh, you know, sexual harassment and misconduct. I don't think anything. So two words to stay away from <laughs> are swag <laughs> And pimp. <laughs> yeah. Again. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's just, you know, there was one of the A&M players. He's on the sidelines. Somebody hands him a flashy-looking scepter or apparatus of some kind. And then he strutted. Well, the, <laughs> but, you know. but, but, you know, the thing is, is this, this is a really good point because the optics on this are going to be essential as we – you know, head into spring ball and then we head into, you know, his first season because, you know, because of these issues that have come up, there's going to be a higher sensitivity. And I'm not saying necessarily from Arizona fans, but from the media and from the national perspective that he's, he's going to have to kind of have, use a football metaphor. He's going to have to have his head on a swivel and he's going to have to be aware of the kind of marketing optics and the, and the communications that need to happen in order for, um, you know, for Arizona to get good press related to football. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I just don't be surprised if it's not the swag copter or the pimp cane. I think it's the new trend in college football to have some type of object that gets a lot of social media shares. I mean, you know, I know that Miami's got that turnover chain. I think Alabama has a wrestling belt. Yeah, you know, and then you've yeah. got um, who? Who was it? Was it? Uh, I'm trying to remember if it was Georgia that had the spiked shoulder pads. Was that Georgia? <laughs> I don't know. It was. It was like a. It was like an Oakland Raiders uh, thing. So when you get a turnover, you know, you get to wear the spiked shoulder pads, and you know that. You know that has kind of a gladiator thing without um, you know any of the PC ramifications. I think to a certain extent, you know. Right. Right. So you know, I think I think if they can find something, you know. That uh, maybe you know can can do that macho football thing without implying you know hurting other people <laughs> in some way, shape, or form. That might be a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I'll think about what that might be. I'll be be happy to offer suggestions. You know. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe someone will bring something to the press conference tomorrow. Yeah, that that could be. You know, just just as long as we can just stay away from the Herm Edwards. Uh, you know, not realizing oh. that the Sun Devils are the uh, oh. <laughs> are the oh mascot. Oh my god! <laughs> you, I wonder if they'll throw some shade tomorrow. 
like if someone will say something about the Wildcats and if he'll make some comment like, Wildcats? <laughs> what Wildcats? <laughs> yeah, I'm, get, uh, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say probably not, but um... yeah. Well, here's a, here's an interesting thought, Sean. So uh, essentially, we played ASU to a draw with the last football coach hire. You know, they got Graham Cracker and we got Rich Rod, <laughs> and that went okay. Um, and then we <laughs> we saw them get the Herminator, right? And then we, uh, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like we kind of said checkmate with someone. It just seems like polar opposites. Well, you, you know what's interesting is I I think of uh, the 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 phrase that comes to mind for me is is Men in Black, uh, the the first Men in Black with Tommy Lee Jones and and Will Smith. You know where. Where and you know where we've got uh, you know the new hotness. We got the new hotness, and they got they got the old broke down. You know, <laughs> Herm Edwards has been around for a while, and you know he's kind of going from TV commentary to you know back into college football. But you know, yeah. but we we've got we've got the new hotness. We got the young fifty three year old head coach, and you know. And uh, he he's going to be putting on his black suit and his shades and, and getting to work. He's yes, he, he's Will Smith and Herm Edwards is Tommy Lee Jones. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, I just don't know about Herm. I think I think ASU has to be. I think our their fans have got to be a little a little disappointed in how this is playing out. Well, the the Herminator is going to lead the nation in uh, press conference sound bites, I think. So, um, you know, he'll, he'll have that and, you know, entertainment value. Yeah. They'll have plenty of entertainment value, but the, the biggest thing, um, the biggest win here. And, and again, you never know what goes on behind the scenes and, and money is certainly always a factor. I'm sure, I'm sure Kevin Sumlin uh, costs a lot more you know, than going and getting Navy's head football coach who was originally right. not on anybody's list. So I'm sure that that might be part of the thinking in going somewhere else, but you have to look at a calculated return on investment because I used to work in that marketing department at U of A athletics and I already see marketing billboards, you know, we've got we've got the the head football coach who is a proven Heisman trophy uh you know caliber uh yep. coach we've got a Heisman trophy candidate you better get your season ticket now because you're yep. going to want to be there for the excitement we're going to be going up and down the field and our defense is going to be better because Marcel Yates is there you know improving yep. defense and you know strap in because it's almost like, um, you know, they always say that you have to have the play option in order to uh, in order to get the passing game going. You have to establish the run so that you can do the play option, you know, fake handoff and then do the passing. It's almost like we have to do the opposite. You know, we have to do the, the pass option in order to establish the run. And so we've got to have somebody in there who's going to be really key on maybe even doing some of those creative things where, Khalil goes up, you know, up into the air like he's faking a pass and then takes off running. It's like we got we got to turn this offensive scheme on its head, you know, and open things up, make them think you're passing and get the running game going. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's exciting. You know, the I can tell they're ready to spend money to make money too because they took out a full page color ad in the newspaper in the Arizona Daily Star uh to show the schedule off and get people going on season tickets. So they're going all in. Wow. You saw an actual newspaper. Where did you find one of those? Well, I saw a photo of a newspaper (laughs) showing me the full page ad of the uh, schedule for next year. And uh, it's pretty good. I mean, they're like you say, they're, they're invested. They're going all in and really this should pay good returns. Everything's lining up. For a big success. Well, when you when uh, when your head basketball coach you know leads his press conference talking about how excited he is about the football coach, you know Sean Miller being a big football fan and condolences going out to uh, Coach Miller on his Steelers uh, loss in the uh, in in football over there. But when he's talking about how excited he is about the football coach, 
then uh, that's certainly a nice endorsement, especially for a team that's, you know, uh, looking like it's on the rise now in the Pac-12. Yeah. Yeah. So while we were talking, I decided to Google the swag copter <laughs> to find out more. And uh, it was a real thing. So he, he became well known because he would drop into Texas high school football games in a copter to see guys he was recruiting play. Yeah, I, I guarantee you that uh, he is not going to have a swag copter at Arizona, <laughs> and um, nor should he, because uh, right. you know that's just going to be a whole lot of trouble. <laughs> Would, wouldn't it be sweet though if they cut some some agreement with uh, Davis Montham and they had like an Apache helicopter? And he could like drop in in the Apache, the Sonoran <laughs> swag copter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just not. Uh, I'm just I'm just not going to encourage uh, anything related to a swag copter. <laughs> I'm just. I've watched those. I, I I think I've had too many traumatic conversations with football uh, recruiting <laughs> coordinators talking about the things they needed from a website in order to land recruits, and I'm like. <laughs> You know what? If, if this is what we need to do to land recruits, it's like you know maybe we shouldn't have a football program. <laughs> yeah, didn't you know? Didn't the University Medical Center just upgrade their helipad like a year ago or something? Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah. Well. Anyway. Well, so okay. So, to... so we'll get him a med- <laughs> we'll get him a medevac. <laughs> we don't want to see a medevac at any football. <laughs> That is not what we want to see. <laughs> okay, so we've added that to the list of things we don't want to see. Yeah. I do want to see Kevin Sumlin walk in with shades on and uh, just tell it like it is in the press conference tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. What, what I want to see is is him really, you know, set the tone for yeah. – and, and that's, that's ultimately the thing that I respected the most about Dick Tomey is – you know, I realize people complain we never went to a Rose Bowl, but I'll tell you what, and, and certainly, you know, there were problems that football players got into and things like that. But in terms of the, um, you know, the moral um, leadership, you know, under Dick Tomey and the emphasis on academics and the, you know, the emphasis on, you know, really molding these young men. And, and, I, and I think Sean Miller really, you know, pushes that as much as he can within a climate where it's one and done anymore, but, you know, really focusing on the coach as, as a, you know, as a moral leader for the team and, and as a, as a role model and a father figure, I think is really key. And I really hope that, that we see that. And I think we will. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, he, he had to be a bit humbled coming off of some massive success and then, just having some average seasons, which of course in Texas and in the SEC is considered failure. But I'm sure that he's refocused and rededicated and he gets to right the ship. And let's just be honest, the Pac-12 is not the SEC. It's It's not at all like the SEC. And so I think that he'll do very well and he'll be more focused and motivated to run the right program the right way, have the right players and uh, work some magic. I, I just think it's the perfect setup for him. Well, you know, that's like we said, a, a new year, a new shiny coach. You know, he's uh, yep. the, the possibilities are endless. So uh, ho- yep. hopefully, uh, hopefully that will play itself out. Yeah. So, you know, we've been talking pretty glass half full, but I think it's probably appropriate just to kind of point out any potential weaknesses or issues or, or points of concern that we should be aware of heading into the Sumlin years. Uh, one of the, I don't really remember watching an A&M game. I will be honest. I, I probably saw one of the good, I probably saw some of the good Johnny football games or at least highlights. Mm-hmm. Although I do remember a game where they were up big to UCLA and then folded like a tortilla. Right. And I mean, I think they dropped, it was like a 20 or 30 point swing and they lost that thing. Yeah. And I think that's the concern that uh, he's got a lot of potential. 
he recruits exceptionally well, but do the players keep their focus? Are they disciplined? Can they play good defense? And does he have a ceiling? Well, I will, I will say that one of the, one of the drop-offs and one of the intangibles that Rich Rod always had in his tenure at Arizona was really this never, never say die fight and attitude that really came out in his teams where, you know, he, he had, he had some teams and some players who really, um, you know, overperformed maybe per, perhaps to the ability. And, and, you know, this season's really a, a good example for that where, um, you know, we had those flashes of brilliance and, we're, we're never going to be able to duplicate, um, you know, the success that Rich Rod had in like the closing two minutes of a game where we're down two scores and we have to kick an onside kick, you know, gain possession of it, drive down the field, kick a field yeah. goal or score a yeah. touchdown. We, it's, we, we got that a lot with him. Yeah. And, and you got to give him credit. He, I mean, he had the ability and just in terms of, just raw coaching ability and preparation for those, you know, do or die scenarios to um, pull victory out of defeat. And and that's actually why he was able to stick around so long, I think. Um, yeah. Cause he certainly had situations where things should have ended, uh, you know, badly where he pulled out bowl victories. And so I think that's one of the big things that we're losing, but um you know, if, if if we can create a scenario where everything doesn't have to be so frantic in the last two minutes, that's a nice thing, too. Yeah. One of uh, I was chatting with one of our listeners, Dan, who's out of Tampa Bay, and he said that in watching the SEC and watching him, watching someone that he's a good coach, but the feel is that he's the kind of guy who's going to get you to bowl games and get you a good recruiting class but he's not the kind of guy who'll put you in the playoff. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see. I mean, the guy competed in the SEC, but I thought that was interesting uh, feedback. And uh, and some people give that as a knock to say Sean Miller, but uh, with Sean Miller, it's only a matter of time before he gets in a Final Four. Right. And, and so, you know, maybe that's the case with someone. We'll have to see. Yeah, and, and you have to look at the, the environment, like, getting out of the SEC and getting into another conference. And that's where maybe, you know, maybe if he takes a creative approach to, you know, having success and, and trying some different things, he certainly has a tremendous amount of raw talent in Khalil Tate. And so, you know, he's, yep. he's really got to find a lot of ways to make people pay um, if they focus too much on Tate. That's going to be the key, you know. Is, That's right. is what kind of scheme is going to get Tate, you know, with the ball in the open field um, or conversely, you know, making you pay, you know, when you put, when you put two spies on him to make sure he doesn't run all over you. Yeah. Yep. That's going to be fun to watch. And uh, I'm ready for it. So what about Arizona basketball? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. DeAndre Ayton, we may never see a guy like this again. Well, and you can already you can already hear in in Sean Miller's you know post game comments or press conference comments, he's he's already started the mourning process, <laughs> where he's saying you know you you got to get him the ball because you're not going to have him for very long. And you can already hear him just you know just like wow, I've got a. I've got to do everything I can with this year with him because I'm never going to have, you know, at least in in his mind, he goes, I've never seen a kid like this. I'm never going to have a kid like this and I'm not going to have a kid like this next year. So the, the clock is really ticking. You know, you were talking about Laurie Markinen, you're talking about all these guys in the NBA, you know, Markinen being another example of, you know, a guy who, you know, had a cup of coffee at Arizona and then left and, it's great to see these guys go on and do well, but at the same time, it's like who can ramp up their talent, and that's what Calipari has been able to do and really master, and that's kind of the challenge before Sean Miller because when you're a college coach, it's not that you have these same you know, members of your team year in, year out, maturing and learning from experience. I mean, you potentially have two or three years 
you know, with, with, with some of your, some of your leaders, you know, the guys who are going to make it to be a senior. But the reality is, is you have to learn how to communicate your scheme to the guy who's going to be an all-star in the NBA, who's only going to be there for a year. And whoever can do that download the fastest is going to benefit the most from having that guy there. Because if, if Aiton matures after he's at Arizona, that's great for DeAndre, but it doesn't help Arizona that much, you know? Yeah, yeah this guy, just that one play where, I mean, it was so obvious that Oregon was going to play super physical, and they really had to collapse four guys down on Aiton. It did not matter. He just threw it down on top of everybody. And uh, what, a, what a special player. It's almost like Arizona should just throw the ball in there every time. Well, and that's and that's what Bill. I, I, incidentally, I, I I love having Bill Walton do color commentary. I, I I know a lot of people are down on him, but I love the fact that he does stop. I mean, he does ramble and goes off off subject all the time. But you know, I love the fact that he's uh, you know talking about the fact that it's Stephen Foster Day and he's doing a Native American ceremony out of McHale Lawn and things like that. But um, he also has some good basketball insight. That's not surprising for a Hall of Famer and, you know, with his pedigree. And he said, he was saying the same thing. He goes, how do you not throw the ball into DeAndre Ayton every single time? And I think the answer to that um, in watching, especially these last two games or last, you know, these conference games closely is he, he does not yet have the killer instinct, but what I... I mean, he, he has the raw talent and the size and the raw strength, especially in that second half where he just takes over. And he has yeah. the agility where if he gets a lane, you know, you can dish it off to him and he'll, he'll, he'll drive the lane, you know, like a point guard and throw it down, you know, barely jumping off the ground. But I love the Patrick Ewing reference that Bill Walton made in the Oregon game. Um, he said, you know, he's got the size, he's got the strength and, you know, Maybe some of our younger listeners don't remember Patrick Ewing and maybe only know him as a college basketball coach in Georgetown. But Patrick Ewing, for me, as you know, growing up, kind of always playing the big guy, he was always my consummate model for what a big guy can do at his best, especially with his passing skills. You know, Patrick Ewing had the ability to throw a ball full court um, off of a rebound and hit a garden stride for a bucket. And Aiton had a flash of that, which to me, it's my favorite play in all of basketball where they come down, they throw to Aiton in the post. He finds PJ Cartwright in the corner for a three wide open three pointer. And that's, that's, I think when Bill Walton is talking about why don't you go to Aiton every single time, I think that's the key is for Aiton to continue to develop, you know, his passing skills. Um, his footwork is, you know, unmatched. I mean, he, he made a couple moves where, you know, there, there's sometimes he's standing down there and he'll turn around and you're kind of like, Oh, you know, what, what was that shot? But then there are other times when he just, he, he takes that off foot like a Sean Rooks type of, uh, you know, pivot to the basket and just has a layup. Yeah, yeah. he makes a lot of things look easy. You know, his free throw shooting is really automatic, too. Oh, and that's and that's surprising because if you if you look at the angle, you know, for a seven foot one guy with arms as long as he has and just the trajectory to the rim, you would think that he would have a lot more problems. And I was looking at the Pac-12 stats, you know, uh, before we're going into this. And I'll tell you what, the fact that Arizona is tied for first in the conference over all games in free throw shooting is really the difference. You know, when you've got Alonzo Trier going to the line, scoring 11 points from the line, you've got Aiton, you know, as one of the best free throw shooters on the team, you know, and you've got just great team free throw shooting. That, that gives me a lot more confidence. Yeah, I uh, I just think uh, we've got Raleigh coming in strong. We've got Trier. We've got 
oh, we've got Aiton, we've got, and really you've got these other role players that can plug in. Um, I just like where the team's at. I like, and they, they look like they're hungry. Uh, I don't think they're as dominant as past teams no. because their defense isn't as strong. Right. But man, they, they may be the most killer team on offense that we've had in a while. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, you know, you go back to Sean Miller's credo is defense, defense, defense. And, yeah. and you see the things that happen on a great defensive stop. That's, why, that's where Keanu Pinder was so essential in that game against Oregon because so many, uh, so many of his shot blocks – led to transition buckets immediately on a fast break and Arizona, Arizona can fast break, but you know, the, the biggest, the biggest chink in, in our armor right now is being eighth in the conference in uh, field goal defense percentage. And uh, you know, that, that number has got to improve. And, you know, a big part of that, I mean, we're doing a great job of um, on the defensive boards, you know, but we're just not we're just not doing enough to to make the make the opponents take difficult shots. Yeah, agree. But um, you know that's um, it, it. It is interesting because uh, it, it, it's hard to it's hard to find fault with DeAndre. But but you just look at how he just physically dominates you know, being in the paint. And, and there are some other statistical categories that jump out at me that I just feel like he should be owning, like offensive rebounds. He's great on defensive rebounds, but, you know, he, I mean, and he, it's not that he's bad on offensive rebounds, but you would think with, with his gifts and his size, he should be leading, you know, the conference. You know, you know who's leading the conference in, uh, in offensive rebounds? Uh, I don't know. Six, seven kid, uh, Murray from California, who will be playing on Wednesday. The guy's six, seven leading the conference in offensive rebounds. And that's just pure, you know, that's just pure aggressiveness, you know? So that, that's the one part of the game that I would love to see in Wednesday's game in a game. You know, we always have trouble with California on the road, but it would be great to see DeAndre Ayton just assert dominance on the offensive boards. That's what I would love to see. All right. I, I like your I like your call out. <laughs> Let's see what happens in the game. Yeah, they're on a tear right now. I, I, I'm not really sure where they're going to lose. Um, oh, I'm just not sure where they're going to lose. But, but the thing is, you would never have expected Stanford to be – atop the conference standings along with Arizona at four and one right now. That's true. I, I still think we're going to go in there and be fine, but yeah, you're right. But, you're right. but I, I, well. I think there's so much parity in the conference this year, especially with, uh, you know, it's going to be so hard to win on the road. I don't expect the winner of the PAC 12 conference to have fewer than three losses in the conference. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly think that uh, wh- whoever wins the conference is going to have at least three losses in the conference. Yeah. Well, okay. So where where is Arizona going to lose again? Well, that's the thing is it's so unpredictable. Um, I, I don't think Arizona is going to lose at home. <laughs> yeah. I think um, – I think we could very well lose at Stanford. With oh, don't tell me that. You know, with uh, we're not going to lose to the trees. We're not. <laughs> but you know, the thing is, is you know, Stanford's playing really good ball right now, and um, yeah, you know, it, it could happen on their floor. Um, we actually, quite possibly, in fact, maybe even likely, will lose to ASU in Tempe. I could see that one. I can see that one. Yep. Uh, yep. And, and actually, so, so, you know, take it back. I, I don't necessarily see us losing to Stanford. But um, if I'm not mistaken, we do have to go on the Oregon Trail, right? Yeah, that'll be tough. 
And I I can see us very easily losing to that Oregon team because they yeah. they are on they are up and coming. Yeah, you know, let's just we got to give it up for Dana Altman. He's 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 just flat out the best. You know, he's established himself as the best coach in the conference. Yeah, I mean, the guy just gets it done with whatever he's got. Yeah, he just makes it happen. The guy is a brilliant coach. I love the way his team plays. Um. He's good. So, yeah, I could see us losing at Oregon. I could see us losing at ASU. And, I could and s- we've already lost at Colorado. So there's your three losses. Yeah, and, and I could see us still winning the conference with that. Yep, 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 yep. I agree. But we can't lose at Stanford. No, I, I, I agree. I agree. I, I, don't, I don't think we're going to lose at Stanford, actually. Because, you know, Stanford – you know, their guard had, uh, I think it was uh, Davis, was Pac-12 player of the week. Uh, it was against Washington and Washington State. Was on the road. You know, it's a tough tough road swing. But, you know, Washington Washington State is not Oregon. <laughs> not, no. not ASU. Yeah. No. Now, yeah, ASU, yeah. I don't know. The jury's still out. Like they they've racked up a quite a few losses. Yeah, but they're they're still going to be dangerous when we go into Tempe. Oh. I mean, they're and and Shannon Evans gave them a victory that would have really. I mean, the, the, their season is still very much viable with with that come from behind victory over Oregon State, um, yeah. and showing that somebody, you know, other than Trey Trey can uh, can step up and come through is, is only good for the Sun Devils. And, you know, Bobby Hurley's only going to have them keeping the eye on the next game and advancing and improving. Right. So yeah, right. that, that is a common denominator. You've got two teams with, you know, two of the best coaches in the conference. So, you know, those, those games on their home court are not going to be, I mean, if, if we get victories there, that those are huge, regardless yep. of what the ranking disparity may be at the time. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, I think that wraps things up for Desert League episode 14. If people want to find us and subscribe, go to Apple Podcasts and search Desert League. Also, if you have the Anchor app or download the Anchor app and search Desert League, they have a way for you to leave us a question. It's sort of a voice inbox. So use the voice inbox. We'll play your recording on the podcast and answer the question that you have. Absolutely. And I do want to uh, maybe close with a quick shout out to um, a true gentleman um, that we lost um, here over the holidays. And that was Arizona baseball coach, former Arizona baseball coach, Jerry Kindle, who I knew for decades and um, passed away. And uh, we are all, the poorer for having lost him, but it was a real privilege to know him. And it was good to see so many people uh, remembering him and, you know, paying well respect. Said. Yeah. Well said. All right. So for uh, Ward Andrews here in the North Bureau and Sean Fitzpatrick in the South Bureau, have a great week. Bear down, go cats and welcome coach Sumlin. Bear down.